Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, welcome to, I believe, season four already, if I am correct. You're How right. are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't believe this has been four seasons already. I have had a blast recording every single episode. We're loving it. I can't believe we get to do this. The people <laughs> on the interviewing end say yes when we extend the invitation. That's been amazing. And then to hear listeners say, this is helping us launch a young adult mm-hmm. ministry. This is helping me take my leadership to the next level. This is helping us mm-hmm. start and strengthen young adult ministries across America. So we're really excited, honored to have you as the guest and the listener join us. Yeah. So let's dive into an episode today. Yeah. Well, if you don't know Josiah and myself personally, you will get to know some of the lingo that he commonly uses. And one of the things is, can you believe it? Can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe so-and-so said yes? So we have somebody who has said yes to us today, and I am going to let Josiah introduce who is that special guest you have reached out to and met and just encountered along the way of your journey. Well, first of all, Micah, can you believe it? I can believe it. That's what we've been praying for. So breakthrough (laughs) happens. He still sits in awe, which is amazing, but I can only sit in awe for so long before I'm like, okay, Lord, what's now and what's next? So Josiah, what's next and who is that? (laughs) Well, I'll just comment on that. What, like, can you believe it? We ask our students, and by we, I mean me, I ask our students at Normandale Kyle almost every week, can you believe it? Can you believe the goodness of God? And so they started a hashtag and they will comment on anything I post and they'll just say, can you believe it? So it's, it's fun. Anyway, we are joined today by TJ Joy. And TJ is a college and young adult pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, an amazing church led by Pastor Robbie Gallaty. Um, I have visited. It's an amazing church and amazing leadership. Mm -hmm. TJ, how are you? Thanks for spending time with us. Man, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, I was telling Micah earlier, (laughs) I, I listen to your podcast as much as possible, which thanks, by the way, for doing it because... I think young adult ministry is kind of an afterthought in a lot of churches. Wow. And so this is very helpful, but um, I listen as much as I can. And you guys have had some incredible uh, guests on your show. And so when you asked me, I was like, why? <laughs> like, why do you want me? People are going to be like, okay, we've heard David Kinnaman. We've heard Chris Hogan. We've heard Timothy Atik. Who is this guy? <laughs> and we TJ. say, hey, TJ, why not? That's what we're saying today. Why yeah. not ask you? <laughs> and we're saying welcome to the great cloud of witnesses. You are a part of the great cloud of witnesses and um, leading strong. Uh, I think we'll get to dive into expository preaching, which is the first time we brought up preaching on the podcast. I know a lot of young leaders are like, give me the mic. I want some reps. Let's preach the word of God. So we'll dive into that. We'll dive in if we can to Um, Also, discipleship, which is a real passion and strength of yours. And if we get time, Lord willing, we'll dive into community college ministry as well. So can we just start, TJ, by having you share some of your story, maybe your life, what the Lord's led you to and through and and how you ended up following Jesus and serving him in ministry? Yeah, man, absolutely. So I, I grew up in a pastor's home. I'm the middle of three boys. And uh, my parents were incredible. Uh, 
from the time I was born, they, they talked to us about Jesus, pointed us to Jesus. And when I was nine years old, I was sitting in a service, uh, just like many of you do uh, every single week. And I realized for the first time, after hearing the gospel my entire life, I realized for the first time, I'm a sinner that's desperate, desperately in need of salvation. I, I need Jesus. I need the gospel uh, personally. And so uh, when I was nine years old, gave my life to Christ. Uh, I believe that was in November, December of 93, somewhere in there. Wow. Um, and um, it radically changed my life. And um, I just fell in love with Jesus. And I, I can remember looking back. Um, discipleship is a huge passion of mine because when I got to college, I was discipled for the first time. Somebody took me under their wing and began teaching me the scriptures like I'd never seen before. Uh, taught me how to study the Bible for myself. And what I realized going to college and being discipled is that most of my life, Christianity was about the do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. uh, it was about, okay, do these things over here, uh, hang out with these people over here, and you'll be a good Christian stay away from these things, stay away from these people, and, and you'll, you'll be a good Christian. And, and what I realized after being discipled in college is that it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's, mm -hmm. about, it's about being with Jesus, and it's about yeah. growing in him and, and right. studying his word and, and that intimacy with him. And, and what, what I realized is that I was doing a lot of things in my life in order to kind of gain favor with God. Mm. And... I, I realized very quickly that we should not obey God to earn his favor. We should obey God because of the favor he's already given us. That's right. Um, he has shown us such incredible grace that we do good and we obey him out of that. And, and so that was a, that was a huge deal for me. I, what, what happens when you work for God's favor or, or when you are all about the do's and don'ts in life, Whenever you make the the smallest mistake or or you sin, it destroys you because you can't live to that standard, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so the the smallest thing can can just bring on so much guilt and shame, and I, I didn't want that. <laughs> I didn't want that, and, and so I learned that it's not about that. It's it's about just knowing Jesus and, and being with Him, and, and so that discipleship changed the trajectory of of my life. And uh, it, it's funny, the guy who discipled me in college hired me right after college to, to be on staff at the university I was at. Wow. And I got, got to work in campus ministry and lead college students and lead Bible studies and things like that. And so that was kind of my first big experience in ministry and um, had a couple opportunities to, to go and, and be a student pastor. And then I got back into college ministry um, in Atlanta. And, and met Pastor Robbie there, met uh, my, my first boss here at Long Hollow. His name was Gus. Uh, you may know Gus Hernandez, but yeah. uh, he became a good friend through the years of college ministry, just going back and forth with him. And um, so that's how I ended up at Long Hollow. They, they were looking for a guy to come in and really, really start a young adult ministry uh, from scratch to bring some health to that generation in our church. And so I came on in 2017 and, and been, been here ever since and just absolutely love it. Um, but as, as far as family goes, married, got married in 2010 to my wife, Melissa, and we have four girls, wow. uh, as we were talking about earlier, uh, all girls in my home. I'm the only guy. So you're outnumbered, my friend. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray for Do me. Do you have female pets too? We have one girl dog, but we also have a boy dog. So, 
Okay. Usually when I talk to people, they're always like, yeah, we have all girls and all the pets are female as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do have a boy dog, so that's good. Ah, that's too fun. And just to, I'm just curious, there's, you're sitting in your office right now, a ton of books, um, two off the cuff questions. I see two football helmets. You're wearing a Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers hat. Yes. Uh, do you have loyalties when it comes to teams? Yeah. So, okay. So, um, First of all, let me say the Lakers hat. I'm a LeBron fan. There we so go. My loyalty is to him. Uh, when it comes to pro sports, I'm all things Atlanta. So okay. the helmet you see behind me is Atlanta Falcons. Um, I, grew, I grew up in the South, so the Braves, the Falcons. And I kind of like the Hawks, but I am really just follow LeBron when it comes to the <laughs> NBA. Um, but I am the most passionate about Alabama football. That's, that's my team. Roll Tide. Oh, yeah. Roll Tide my whole life. Grandparents, parents, everything Alabama stuff. Don't, I hope the listeners don't hear that and leave. So. You got two groups of people. One of them just exited and they tuned out. But another group of people started listening to every and hanging on to every word you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, crazy. That's too fun. Well, we know that um, you were definitely passionate about like you said, discipleship, but also preaching comes in there. And many of our listeners are young adult leaders or they are leading young adult ministry. And one thing that we as leaders or pastors want to potentially avoid, and I'll say that I've been guilty of this too, is to, when I get up and teach or preach, sometimes it is, I want to teach or preach out of my experience versus the word of God. Or I want to teach about what I've encountered and then I need to find the scripture that aligns with the word of God. And to know that as leaders, like our words carry significant weight. And there are many individuals watching us, like all hands on deck with our teams and everything, but all eyes on us at times. And one thing that I think about is another way that we can begin to pr preach, or I've probably been guilty of this, and maybe a listener has too, of just teaching from opinion versus of truth, meaning truth meaning the word of God. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I've truly been praying about as I've grown in leadership and continue to grow, because I'm never going to arrive, is to be more in tune with what the Spirit's wanting to do, but understanding the Word of God, looking at who is this written for, why did they write it, um, what era are they writing in, like just looking at all those different angles versus saying, okay, well, I'm reading the Bible and this is what applies to me, so I'm going to teach it this way. And I yep. think that's because of how I grew up um, and my parents may not have known how to, I mean, they're not really like, study the Bible in an expository way. Like that wasn't really taught. They just took everything at, at face value. And it's like, if it's this, then this is what it means. And this is what it says. So, I mean, I've been one to kind of wrestle through how do I stay away from my opinions? And because my opinions are important, but that's not what the platform God's given me to preach from. Yeah. Um, my experiences may align with the word of God, but how do I deliver that through the preaching style that God has given me? So TJ, what I would love to ask you, and maybe our listeners would too, I hope so. Um, for those listening, a lot of them are young adult leaders wanting to grow in this area specifically of teaching and preaching. So you sit under one of the best expository preachers in our generation, for real. Pastor yeah. uh, Robbie Gallaty. And can you talk about what expository preaching looks like maybe how you have honed in on that craft and how can we as maybe how I've been guilty in the past really allow God to show himself 
in a new way and start preaching through 100% the true lens of the word. Absolutely. So first of all, let me say I completely agree with you. Um, I, I hope Pastor Robbie listens to this because I'm about to talk him up big time because he really is. He really is a phenomenal communicator, as you guys know. Um, there, there's a lot of preachers out there who are incredible communicators, but not necessarily preach the word. Right. Bingo. Um, but then there's also on the other side of it, you have guys who are great expositors, but they're dry and it's hard to listen to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. And so what we get with Pastor Robbie is a both end. Um, he is he is great, a great communicator, fun to listen to. But man, he sticks to the word. He's true. He's faithful to to God's word. And so uh, it, it's amazing to be able to sit under that teaching every single week. Um, what we mean when we say expository preaching, and really the language we use at Long Hollow, is text-driven preaching. So good. Great. Um, that that's what we mean because, and that's what we say to our people. We want to be text-driven preachers because it really speaks for itself. Um, we stick to the text, and we let we let the text, the passage of scripture, drive the points that we're trying to make. Uh, and, and the reason we do that is because we want the text to speak for itself. Uh, what happens when we do this is our audience, when, when we stick to the text, when we allow God to speak through his word, our audience is not hearing a word from the preacher. Right. Our audience is hearing a word from God. <laughs> and, and that's what we want, right? We, we want to be a mouthpiece for God to use to speak to his people. Um, when, when you think about the scripture, like 2 Timothy 3 uh, 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So, so think about this for a second. The, the picture we have there in the scripture is of like a, a broken bone that the doctor puts into its right place, right? So the word of God that's breathed out by him is able to correct us, to put us as broken people back into our right place, right? Uh, corrects us, rebukes us, all those things. So it's the only book in history that, that's able to do that, that has the power and authority to do that in our life. And so we don't want to get up and just say a bunch of stuff that's on our minds. We want to preach what's on the mind of God. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so, so the way we do that, uh, we, we want the theme of the sermon to match the substance, structure, and spirit of the text. And so there's two main things that we look for uh, when we approach a text. Uh, and that is the, what we call the CIT. Uh, and that's the central idea of the text. And then uh, we want to get the aim of the text. And that's the author's intended meaning. And this is, this is super important uh, because a, a lot of preachers approach a text and say, and this, this is what gets people on the wrong trajectory in, in a sermon. They'll approach a text and they'll say, what does the scripture mean to me? Yep. That's a wrong way to approach the text because if you put 50 people in a room and you read them a passage, you're going to get 50 different meanings if you ask the question, what does this mean to you? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so for instance, let's take Luke 15, the prodigal son. If you read that passage of scripture to 50 different people, you're going to have the father in the room that says, man, I'm patiently awaiting for my son to return. I'm going to love him. I'm going to wrap, wrap him in my arms. I'm going to throw a party for him when he returns. Uh, you've, got, you've got the son in the room that says, man, I'm running from God. I need to return. Uh, you've got the older brother in the room that's like, 
man, I need to be happy for my younger brother when he returns. I don't need to be jealous. I, so you've got all these different meanings to different people. And so we, we don't want to approach it that way. What we want to do is we want to say, what was God's intended meaning when, mm-hmm. he, when he allowed the author to write this passage of scripture? What, what is the actual meaning of the text? And then once we determine what that idea is, what that meaning is, then we can ask the question, how does this apply to my audience? How does this apply to me personally? Does that make sense? Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay, go ahead. Oh, TJ, I will just say that I think what stands out to me is being like when I was young, 22, 23 year old, taking my relationship with the Lord to the next level and saying like, I am seriously saying yes to what God has. I'm ridding myself of the old things. I love just these two different things, CIT, which stands for a central idea of text and aim, author's intended meaning. If I would have known that at age 22, I would have known how to filter so many different things through the lens and through the thought process of exactly what you just said. But in addition to that, at age 22, 23, I didn't have anybody discipling me to 100%. you know understand and maybe just develop those two concepts to begin with so i just think for the listener if you do not have a disciple in your life that you admire that is truly doing uh, what god has you know called them to do who's in tune with the spirit who's you know reading the word of god who's praying for you start praying that god brings that person to help disciple you and to grow in this area because this is why we do what we do. And if we can't effectively know and understand the word of God, how are we ever going to understand the will of God as a leader, as a teacher, as a preacher, as a volunteer, whatever our role specifically is in that season. I mean, I think as that leader from stage, whenever we get the mic to take those two questions of CIT and aim and to really sit back and be like, Oh, here it is. And if I could tell my younger self something literally in what we're talking about right now, I would be like, pray for that disciple, one, and two, think about these two little questions that's completely going to change the way I look at scripture. So I think that's why we, you said yes today, because I'm still learning. <laughs> sure. Well, it's, it's so good, Micah, what you just said. And, and TJ, like, I remember, I think it was two or three years ago, um, two and a half, three years ago, I showed up in Hendersonville, Tennessee with a group of friends. Yep. And we sat under teaching from Pastor Rob B. And he taught us like basically expository preaching or text-driven preaching. And I grew up in a tradition where it was a lot more uh, maybe topical Mm -hmm. and nothing wrong with topical preaching. Um, But I had never quite heard or seen modeled what text-driven preaching looks like. And so then Pastor Robbie generously like gave us all his books that day. Mm -hmm. And I, I was flying back on the airplane. I just remember trying to like fit all these books and not bend them and like get them all in and I got them all home and I've since read I think all of them and I would just say preaching for the rest of us the essentials for text-driven preaching your pastor has written this book and what a guide to look at like we're talking about the art and craft in minutes that takes years and decades to develop like you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. my follow-up to this is like, I would imagine since you've been called to ministry and then fan into flame the gift that God's given you, TJ, and an emphasis of growth you've experienced is preaching. Mm-hmm. And for those who want to grow in this area, specifically like text-driven preaching, maybe wading into the waters of expository preaching, like what would your advice to them be? Ooh. 
Yeah, so I, I would say really three different focuses um, for me personally. And I think it'd be helpful for anybody that's, that's preaching regularly or, or wants to, to be a preacher. Um, first of all, never stop learning. Uh, that's, that is a big deal. Um, never stop learning. Um, and, and that begins with the scripture. Uh, if you're going to be an expository preacher, if you're going to be someone who is preaching the Bible, then you need to live in the Bible. <laughs> you, know, you, you need to get to know the scripture. And, and Micah mentioned this earlier, but when you study the scripture and meditate on it, don't just read the words, but study the context. Mm -hmm. um, think about the author and the audience he's speaking to. Like, why is he saying the words he's saying? Uh, what what are the things that he's repeating over and over, the phrases, the words? Um, all of these things are so important to, to how we study and observe the scripture. Mm -hmm. and, and it allows us forget, for us to, to have a, a more accurate interpretation of the scripture. Um, so, so we want to live in the word. We, we want to hunger and thirst for the word, um, meditate on it, and, and just be in the word regularly. And, and that's going to allow us to, to preach more expository text-driven uh, sermons. But also, uh, secondly, I would say, um, if you want to be a better preacher, preach. <laughs> it, there, you've got to practice. Uh, and so take advantage of every opportunity ha you have. If you're a leader of a ministry, um, like spend time in your prep. Don't, don't just get up on your midweek or, or whenever your young adult service is. Don't just get up and shoot from the hip. Right. Man, spend hours in the word studying and preparing your sermon and make sure that it is from the text and, and then preach often preach in the mirror practice in your office preach for a friend um what, one of the things that we value at long hollow that i think is helpful for all preachers is to have a a group of people who can critique yeah and and we we look at critiquing as uh, we always say our cr our criticism is to be helpful, not hurtful. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a big thing for us. And so all of us have a group of people, all of the preachers at Long Hall have a group of people to where when we preach a sermon, we, in the, within the next 48 hours, sit down with those people and we say, what can I do better? Um, was I off base? Mm. Could I do better applications? Um, was it text driven? Did it point to Jesus? All of those things. So, so we want that feedback loop in our life. And, and so that's, that's extremely helpful. And then the third thing I, I would say is read and listen to expository preachers. Uh, there's so many helpful resources out there. Tim Keller's got a book on preaching. Uh, yeah. John Piper's got one called The Supremacy of God in Preaching or The Supremacy of Christ in Preaching. Um, Rob, the book you mentioned from Robbie, uh, Preaching for the Rest of Us, really good book, very practical, very helpful. But, but don't just read them, go watch them. Uh, because to see their passion, uh, to see the way they approach a text, to see their passion for uh, staying faithful to the scripture um, is really helpful. So guys like Matt Chandler, John Piper, David Platt, H.B. Charles, uh, Derwin Gray, um, all of these are men of God who are faithful to the text, who are gonna preach the word and, and practice expository preaching. So those are three helpful tips. That's good. That's so helpful, TJ. And <clears throat> what's interesting, I referenced the day we met was at Long Hollow, and I thought I was going to learn about preaching, and I did, and my mind was blown. And it was a significant like mile marker in my faith and life and leadership and preaching. And then the other thing, it was like a switch flipped. And I've, I've 
never viewed like preaching and discipleship to be mutually exclusive, but I viewed them as like two different things. And they're really not. Like preaching is a part of discipleship. Like a shepherd, mm -hmm. the sheep know the shepherd's voice and a huge part, like not the only part, like going to church doesn't complete your discipleship, but it's a component of discipleship. Preaching is a component, not the completion, but your pastor, Robbie, he like blew my mind at his passion for discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so like you mentioned in your testimony in the very beginning, like you were in college and somebody mm -hmm. discipled you. And like, I would maybe venture to guess that the vast majority of people who are Christ followers or attempting to follow Christ mm -hmm. have never had somebody show them the way or life on life, like truly disciple them. And then we wonder why is 95% of these Christ followers never shared their faith with anyone or they've never discipled anyone else because yeah. it's like, we have to first be discipled before we can disciple others. And, you know, can you just dive into like, what did discipleship look like for you personally when you first started like walking closely with Jesus? Yeah. So you mean like the, the person who poured into my life? Bingo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So man, this, this completely changed the game for me because discipleship growing up was simply sitting in a room with unlimited amount of people and listening to some guy or girl preach or teach a lesson for 45 minutes and then leaving the room and that was it right right uh, but when I got to college it was a much different approach it was more of a life-on-life -life approach and, and I think I think what's modeled with Jesus is more of that yes there's teaching and there's shepherding but there's also let me show you with my life what it means to to live as a Christian and, and to live like Christ and to like let me show you how to how to love a neighbor well uh, let, let me show you uh, not just how to talk about something, but to go in and live it out. And so uh, this guy who discipled me, the first thing he did was taught me how to study the scripture for myself. I think if we can teach our people how to be self feeders of the, from the word. Yes. I mean, it is going to change the game because then they don't need a, a church leader to feed their growth mm -hmm. in the Lord. They, they can, study God's word on their own. And, and so that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, we we want to teach them how to study the scripture. So observation, interpretation, evaluation, application, all of those things are super important for, for studying God's word. Um, but not just that, the, the guy who discipled me and, and a couple of my buddies, he, he would teach us the word, but then he would hang out with us. Mm -hmm. would, we would go get coffee. We, we got to see in his life what it looked like to to treat people like Jesus, right. to love, to love people well, to care for people well. And it really changed the, the direction of my life and ministry because from that moment on, and he never once said like, I want you to go and replicate this. It just became natural because it so radically changed my life. I wanted to do this for other people. Uh, and, and I believe if we can do this for, for our people, like if you can sit down and disciple somebody and lead them and teach them what it looks like to be a disciple, you're going to set a generation of discipleship that's going to change the game uh, of, of Christianity. So, so it's a, it's a really big deal, really big deal. It is a big deal. And TJ, I would even follow up with the question is why is it that so many people attend church and attempt to follow Jesus, 
but have never been discipled themselves. Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, uh, like in the Minnesota area, but in the South, I think for a, a super long time, the church was focused on attendance and not the attendee. Wow. Um, we, we wanted to grow attendance um, and, and not necessarily grow the attendee. And, and so, so what would happen is we would push to our people, you know, let's, let's go, let's share the gospel, let's get people saved, let's get them baptized, and then the rest is up to them, let's let them figure it out. Um, and now I, I feel like with uh, a more of a focus on discipleship, what we're realizing as a church as a whole is baptism is not the, the finish line for believers, it's the starting line. Good. Right. It's the starting line. We we're commissioned by God in the scripture to not just share the gospel and win people to Jesus, but then to walk with them and teach them to obey the scripture. So so it's this evangelism and discipleship that's that's equally important um, to the scripture. Yeah, I've I felt something similar, TJ, where I feel like God's just been maturing me, or I've been sensing this as a leader, like God's downloading maturity and seasoned approach and and not so much about the attendance but having other metrics of success if you will and i'm just realizing if somebody comes to our ministry um, if it's a church if it's a young adult ministry a Mm -hmm. campus ministry whatever that looks like and they view evangelism as you bring your friend to church or the service or the gathering Mm -hmm. so that i can preach the gospel to them right I just wonder, is that really evangelism or is it like back to your statement of life on life? Like they could share their faith. Are we equipping people? And at the same time, like our preaching, are we feeding the people truth and knowledge beyond just the first time visitor? Like, I think we aim so much. I've been challenged by this. Like we aim sometimes so much at the first time visitor and we should think of them and present things in a way that's like, easy to understand and simple and not assume any baseline level of knowledge but it's like are we simply preaching to the first time visitor or the guy who's been following jesus 30 years and is hungry and desperate in the depths of his heart are calling out to deep like are we helping him follow god more closely and so i just want to ask you tj what is your process or approach personally look like for that life-on-life discipleship of maybe college students or young adults in your ministry setting? Yeah, so I, I think you have to start with the Great Commission. Um, Jesus's last words should be our first work. Yes. Um, so before he ascends to be with the Father, he looks at his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And then he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, so think about this for a second. Jesus, with all authority in heaven and on earth, he could have made disciples of all nations any way he wanted. He could have snapped his fingers and disciples of all nations would have been made, right? Mm. But instead, he, he wants to use us, his disciples, to make more mm. disciples. And, and the way in which he, he does that is a, a you know, equal parts evangelism and discipleship. They're, right. they're, they're equal, right? They're, um, it's two parts or, or two sides to the same coin. Um, you can't do one without the other. Um, he says, go make disciples. John Piper would say, 
that that means to share the gospel in such a way that people are converted to Christ. So that's evangelism. We want to be actively sharing the gospel. And I, I would say inviting people to church is a form of evangelism because you have passages where like uh, Philip goes to his brother Nathaniel and says, hey, come and see, right? Yes. Come and see Christ. So, so I would say that's a form, but we want to be people who are vocal about the gospel. We're able to turn conversations in the gospel conversations. Um, so you have the evangelism piece, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus also says, when people come to Christ, let's baptize them and then let's teach them what it looks like to obey it. And so I want my life and, and ministry to model that. Mm-hmm. I want us to be uh, a people who are um, engaged with the gospel. Like we know the gospel well, and we're able to communicate the gospel to other people. But then when we lead people to Christ, we're obligated as Christians to walk with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're obligated as Christians to uh, to come alongside them and to show them what it looks like to be obedient to Christ. And so, so for us at Long Hollow, we, we have what we call discipleship groups. Um, life groups are more of like our small group environment where they're open groups, um, they're outreach um, oriented. It's kind of our missional arm of the church. Um, but then we have discipleship groups that is more intimate. It's three to five. Uh, it's gender specific. Uh, they're closed groups. You're walking with these three to five for um, eight months to a year. Mm. And then every time you meet, you are talking about what you've learned from the scripture. You're, you're walking through your journals together, your, your scripture journals. Uh, you're memorizing scripture together. You're holding each other accountable to sin, temptation, and to um, doing the spiritual discipline. So uh, are you studying every day? Are you are, do you, is your prayer life on track? Are you fasting? All, all those kind of things. Um, but then we identify in our D groups, who is one person in your life that's far from God? Let's pray for them specifically. And let's talk about, let's talk about ways in which you can begin engaging them with the gospel. Uh, and, and we name them specifically because we want to see when God answers that prayer. Right. Um, we don't just throw up like random prayer requests. We pray specifically because when God answers it, we want to know. Mm-hmm. I love that you um, helped me filter my own thought. Like, I think I shared an unfiltered thought earlier a second ago on the podcast where I'm like, if all we do is invite someone to church and we never like share our faith on our own outside of that, like, I, I agree. Thank you for clarifying. That is a form of evangelism. <laughs> like, I think we should invite people to church right. and I think we should also be equipped. Like it's both and like we should also be equipped to share our faith at the coffee shop, at the gym, at, at our workplace, in our home. And it, it just can't only be in the church gathering. It has to also be in the other settings as well. So absolutely, just wanted to clarify, I, I shared an unfiltered thought, but you helped me filter. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, I think the thing is that we are designed for community. We're designed to be around people. We're designed to long for something greater than ourselves and and obviously that is truth and that is god and that is a relationship with jesus christ and um tj you've kind of been able to rattle off some scriptures and clearly you've had people speaking to your life of discipleship and studying of yourself um in time with the lord but also one thing we want to talk about is um scripture memorization how have you been able to memorize scripture because you talked about you want to live out scripture, but if we don't know scripture and it's not truly written on our heart, how do we, how do we as pastors, as leaders, how have you been able to memorize scripture and live it out at the same time? 
Yeah. So, so we, we do at Long Hollow, we, we do what we call HERE journals. And uh, HERE is an is a acronym for highlight, explain, apply, and respond. And um, one of the things that I teach those in my discipleship group is when you're reading a passage of scripture and you have that highlight, that verse that just pops, um, it speaks directly into your heart, directly into your life, and it just stands out. Go ahead and commit that verse to memory because if it speaks to you, if it speaks into your life, it's going to stick better, right? Uh, and so, so that's that's one of the practices that we do. It's very helpful. I, I think it's one thing to like memorize random verses of scripture, but it's it's more helpful, and I think it sticks better if you memorize something that you're already reading and studying deeply. Um, and so that, that's what I do. That's, that's one of my practices. I, I'll read the scripture. And, and as I'm reading something that stands out to me, I'll, I'll commit that to memory. So like, I think it was D.L. Moody that used to talk a lot about like memorizing a, a text or a passage of scripture. Is that what you're talking about of like more than just a verse, but maybe like a, a passage or a text? Like, um, it, it can be for sure. Um, there, there are people who will memorize whole chapters. Pastor Robbie has like all of Romans memorized, which is crazy. Uh, and I would love to get on that level one day. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm not there yet. Um, I, I've tried to memorize like Ephesians and things like that. Yes. Um, I have, I have memorized like Ephesians two and, and passages that are just like extremely poignant and like just speak into my life specifically. But, but I, w- I would say if you're starting off with it. Um, just just grab a verse that, that pops. Um, it, it doesn't have to be super difficult. Uh, and then as you grow in scripture memory, you can do larger passages and, and chapters and that kind of thing. Right. That's great. It's amazing. I, I'm glad we talked about that. Like the HERE acronym of highlight, explain, apply, and respond. It's something that we could journal. And it's, um, it's also like one of the last concepts I just wanted to share because I know in Hendersonville, you guys are not that far from a community college. Yeah. Micah and I are full-time like campus ministers at Normandale, one of Minnesota's largest community colleges. And we're just seeing a lot of leaders ask questions about community colleges. And in 2010, there was like a spike in community college enrollment almost doubled. Mm-hmm. Well, now in 2020, after a pandemic, a lot mm-hmm. of college visits aren't happening. And so they're predicting another wave, like yeah. CNN, MSNBC, like all the news like just mainstream media, they're mm-hmm. saying like, we think that there might be a, another spike in community college because it's affordable. People can go to school debt-free that way, get a debt-free right. degree. So, I mean, what has been your approach as a local church pastor of young adults that has a heart for the campus? What is that process of like maybe outreach or discipleship and evangelism, um, investing in the college students on campus? What does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think with COVID, I, I think we're about to see a ramp up on the community college campus. Um, but community college ministry is tough because you're dealing with, in most cases, 100% commuters. Right. And, and so you've got students who are coming on campus to go to an hour class and then they're out. And so how do we catch them while they're on campus for that hour and a half, two hours, what do we do? Um, and one, one of the, approach, the approaches that I think has been most helpful for us is helping our students see themselves as missionaries. 
um, because what like ministry can't revolve around us as the leaders uh, because we don't get to go to class. We don't get to sit in the cafeteria. We don't get to walk this. Well, I mean, I guess we could walk the sidewalks with them, uh, but, but we're not sitting in the classes and, and, you know, we're not in all the clubs and all that kind of stuff. And so our students are in those and our students are um, going to study groups and they're sitting in the cafeterias and, and all this kind of stuff. So if we can get our students to see themselves as missionaries and see the campus as a mission um, field, then we can equip them to, to be the ones who are engaging with the gospel and evangelizing and, and, you know, sharing the gospel with people on campus. So, so we do a lot of that. Uh, I will say that we have built a pretty good relationship with uh, administration. Um, the president of, of the community college here has reached out to us and said, we need more of you on this campus. Um, and so, wow, I mean, things like that is, is huge. And, and I think that's just from identifying Christian professors, identifying uh, Christians in administration and really partnering with them and, and casting vision with them. Uh, and, and you get a lot of like inroads through that. Yeah, I think that's great. I think you've just mentioned several things that we've personally been praying into for all community colleges and all the leaders across pretty much the U.S. who have a passion for the two-year school or the trade colleges and stuff like that. So yeah, I think you definitely nailed it on the head with all those different things. And maybe this is a selfish question, but I was just curious, how do you lead the students to discover the fact that they have the ability to be the missionaries on the mission field. Because we've come along students, we've, just, we've been praying, we've been discipling, we go on prayer walks together, they've been in our home, we're studying the word of God, we're trying to equip them as best as I, as best as I can, as Josiah can, as we can, obviously with Christ at the center. But how would you encourage the person who is having maybe a challenge of even getting planted that first year on a college campus. They don't have any past ministries taking place on campus. They don't have any rapport with um, faculty or staff, the student um, president, um, you know, they don't have that representation yet. What would you say for the person starting out like that first year who's just like, hey, I see this as a mission field, but I have a small group of people and how do we start developing them to feel equipped to be in their classroom saying, hey, come with me. Hey, come have pizza. Hey, come to so-and-so's house. We're going to hang out. How, how would you encourage that person who's just starting out? Yeah, so one of the things that, uh, that I try to think through a lot is when, when, we, when we say things as ministry leaders like we want to reach the world with the gospel, that's a great sentiment, but it seems unattainable for our people. And, and so what we want to do for, for our students is to get them to narrow in the focus and identify who's in their sphere of influence, like who, who's sitting around them in their class, um, who sits with them at the, at the cafeteria, um, who is one person, like narrow it in even more, like who is one person that you can begin praying for. And so we, we say pray for them daily invest in them weekly and then invite them to the next right thing. That's the, that's the three things we say. So pray daily for them. Uh, ask God to be with you. Ask God to give you opportunities. Um, invest in them weekly. Find opportunities to love on them, care for them, bring them a coffee to school, um, go buy their lunch, 
um, help them with homework. You know, there's so many different ways to, to really invest in those people, but then invite them to the next right thing. So our life groups uh, have a monthly or bi-monthly uh, hangout event that's, that's specifically de designed for our one, uh, to bring the one person that we're trying to reach. Wow. And so we'll have a hangout night where we cook, um, we go to a restaurant, we go to Top Golf, we, you know, we do different things. We bite, invite those people in uh, for those nights. And we, we say that's the next right thing because that allows them to get into a meaningful community and belong to a community before they believe. That's so good. I yeah. love it. I love that you said Top Golf. They just opened up one nearby us. It's a hit anytime oh, we've done anything Top Golf. And I think that also like just creating opportunities because I think what's lacking at community colleges usually is opportunities. People sure. want to have friends. People want to have community. They feel lonely and isolated and alone mm -hmm. and intimidated. So if we can do anything to just create windows of opportunities, like that's amazing. And to invite people to the next right thing. Um, people are hungry for opportunities. And I bet that community colleges might be one of the tougher right. places to create opportunities, but <clears throat> They're, these are the Lord's people that are on heaven's radar. So can we dive into now, TJ, the, the five? The next right thing. The next right thing. We're going to invite you <laughs> to the next right thing. Good transition, Micah, which is the five <laughs> in five. Five questions, five minutes. You up for that, TJ? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, TJ, question number one. If you could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Okay, so believe it or not, I'm introvert. Um, but at the same time, I'm relational. I love people, uh, and I, I would I would consider myself a strategist. I'm always thinking whether it's like ministry or it's like the best plan to get to the bathroom in time. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm always thinking through strategy of how to do things. So, oh, I love it. Okay, second one. Are there any words you live by? It might be a verse, a quote, something that's significant to you. That's a word you live by. Yeah, grace uh, is is a big word for me. I want to show grace as a father, as a, as a husband, as a ministry leader, um, friends, foes. I, I want to be a person of grace because I, I think, I think when we show grace to the world, it, it allows them to get a picture of who Jesus is and it'll, it opens up the door for conversations. Awesome. All right. Question number three, and this is us throwing you a curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one thing today, what would you ask us? Um, I, I would say, what is your number one tip for reaching young adults? Go ahead. I think mine is become a great friend. Like Jesus was a great friend. Mm -hmm. He did life on life with mm -hmm. people, as you've mentioned earlier in the episode. And I think that if we could just at the end of the day, love people mm -hmm. as an expression outward of the Lord's love. Like we love mm -hmm. because he first loved us. So that's the internal love that we've received. So freely we share that love. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've never met a person who doesn't need another friend. Mm -hmm. I've rarely met a person who even views that they don't need prayer or they don't need a pastor. And so many people in this generation, it's interesting that you said that you follow LeBron more than you follow a team. I think that that's actually a trend right now in all sports is people have a favorite friend or a favorite like personal mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. And so I think if we can get 
really good at relationships, um, that will help us pray for people. It will help us pastor people and it will help us reach people in our world today. Right. I think for me, for any leader, I think it would be, be yourself. I mean, a young adult can sniff out when they're a project. They're not stupid. They know that you're up to something. And I would say be yourself because there is only room for one of you. That's it. There's only room for one of you. And when you try to become somebody else in the process of reaching God's people, you lose the true authenticity of Christ. You lose who God's created you to be. And you're ultimately telling him that you didn't know what you were doing when you created me. You know, so it's kind of a slap in God's face and we try to be somebody else. And then we get into the comparison trap. So the more confident you can be in the skin that God has given you and the person you are and to know that we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, we all have passion points, we all have things that drain us. If you can just be yourself, I truly believe that God will bring the people that connect with you when you can be vulnerable with them, when you can share your testimony with them, when you can call them out and call them up in love and truth in the same sentence as a leader when you're true to who God's created you to be. And um, yeah, and don't lose sight of that. So I think just being yourself and I think there's nothing more beautiful when people walk out in the confidence of Christ in them and the confidence of their own skin of God, who God has created them to be. So, mm, so good. That was a good curveball. I wasn't expecting that one. I love it. Okay. TJ. So back to you. Question four. What's been, or what is right now the greatest challenge that you're facing right now? 2020. Man, 2020 is a struggle. <laughs> I, I think all of us are in the same struggle of coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are well aware young adult ministry is highly relational. Yeah. Yep. So trying to figure out relational ministry when everything is digital, that has been, that's been tough because I, we pride ourselves on doing ministry face-to-face, one-on-one, um, in the context of relationships. Uh, and so not being able to go get coffee or go get lunch or be on campus, that kind of thing, it's, it's been tough. So that's, that's been our struggle. Yeah. Well, the good news is we're almost halfway through 2020. <laughs> Literally, that's a crazy thought right there. All right, TJ, last and final question to wrap up. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? And so this is, this is a really good question. And I think J.D. Greer says it best. Um, he, I don't know if you guys are, know him or aware of him, but he, he's the uh, pastor of Summit Church, but also the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he tells his uh, college students and young adults at his church, he says, when you graduate college, you can go do your profession anywhere you want. So go somewhere and do, do what you do well, but do it somewhere strategic for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and, and so what I would say is we have an opportunity with young adults to really leverage where they are in their season of life. Mm-hmm. They can go anywhere they want to go. And so let's train and equip them to be missionaries and to see the global need for the gospel. And let's, let's send them all over the world to go do what they do professionally and to do it for the sake of the gospel. That's awesome. All I could think it was my business classes, location, location, location. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. TJ, this is, um, this fires me up. It spurs me on in preaching in staying true to God's word, our conversation just amplifies, I think, the heart of the, the Lord in discipleship mm-hmm. and the vital importance and significance of you, the way you said it was 
his last words being our first work in making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. Mm -hmm. And I think like just whatever setting you're in, the whatever location, location, location you find <laughs> yourself in to contextualize that ministry of what is, what is your aim? You know, where, where is God asked you to go? And so how can you be faithful and steward if it's a community college, mm -hmm. if it's a public university, private university, local yeah. church, um, wherever that is, like God's placed you there for a, a reason to yeah. be on mission. So TJ, thank you so much for taking time and sneaking away from your family and um, just spending time on this podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate what you guys are doing. And maybe this isn't the last time. Maybe we can get together again. I agree. There we go. We're in the digital age. We can do that anytime, any place, anywhere. <laughs> so if you're listening, thanks so much for joining us today and tuning into Young Adults Today podcast. You can find out more about TJ Joy, Long Hollow Baptist Church, as well as the college student and young adult ministry there. When you connect with us on our website is www.youngadults.today or online at social media. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Judge up right now.